0: Kristen here, and today I have an incredible guest who is going to inspire you to think big and go big, and I cannot wait to introduce you to Julia Pimsler, a scaling coach, mindset expert, speaker, and best-selling author. Julia is the founder of Million Dollar Women, a community for women who want to grow their businesses. Julia authored the book, Go Big Now, which I read last year, and the book was the exact message I needed at the time in my business. I courageously invited Julia to connect on LinkedIn, and now here we are recording a podcast interview. Welcome, Julia.
1: Hi, Kristen. I'm so happy to be here with you. What fun how this has come full circle. It
0: sure has come full circle, and I cannot believe I'm getting the chance to connect with you and learn more about you and the Million Dollar Women community and growing big businesses. So thank you so much for taking the time.
1: I'm excited. Let's dive in.
0: Julia, what inspired you to start the Million Dollar Women community?
1: Well, women like you, women (laughs) who (laughs) are really excited and passionate about their business, but don't have all the pieces in place to take it to where they want to take it to. And that really speaks to me because I was one of those women. My first business was Little Pim, P-I-M, from my last name Pimsler. So Little Pim Language Learning for Young Children. And Little Pim was a panda bear character we created named Little Pim who taught little kids a second language. So this was a multimedia business where we were helping parents teach their children French and Spanish and Chinese and Italian. We had 13 languages. And I was so passionate about the teaching part, Kristen, and so confident about that piece of the business, but not confident at all about the business part of the business because I didn't go to business school. I don't have a finance background. Um, I did go to Yale, but I studied film and women's studies. It maybe took one econ class. Um <laughs> So I really was learning how to be a business owner on the job. And even if you're smart and driven and determined, you can still fail pretty hard in the business world. And I think I might have been on that course when I finally reached out for some help because I didn't know how to grow the business. In a way that was profitable and sustainable and scalable and had a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of belly flops and a lot of big challenging moments, including almost running out of cash at one point, just really scary hard stuff, especially with two little kids at home uh, living in New York City where rents are pretty high, as I'm sure you know. Um, but I got through that with the help of mentors and coaches and a business program and did learn how to run my business in a smart, scalable way. And ultimately, we raised a few million in venture capital and got the business up into the multi-millions, hired people away from Disney. It got to the place I'd always dreamed it could have. But this is a story that could have turned out very, very differently without the right coaches, mentors, community, and business training. There is so
0: much we can unpack in that very first answer. And the first thing that I'm wondering is, what does it mean to scale a business? I I hear people talk about, I got to scale my business. I want to scale my business. So let's start there. What does it mean to scale a business?
1: Yeah, it's almost like a buzzword now, isn't it? I don't know which is more of a buzzword, scale or mindset, the two things I do. So um, scale really just means that you're taking your business bigger, in a way that creates economies of scale, not to use the word again, but if you're in a not scalable business, it looks like this. Every time you get 10 new customers, you need to add more staff. Services businesses are typically hard to scale because while you might get bigger clients, now you have to hire more team to hold the hands of those bigger clients. So you're never really getting to big profit margins because as you make more money, you're spending more money. That is not scalable. What is scalable is when you have some kind of a system or a product or a service that is repeatable, the more you sell it, the lower it costs for you to deliver it, and you get these higher and higher margins. I'll give you an example from the language teaching business, Little Pim. It was actually my second business. I was a filmmaker before that, but the first one that made money. I was a documentary filmmaker, so I really didn't make money. Um, but the business Little Pim, when I first came up with the idea of helping young children to learn a second language, I remember my husband saying, oh, so you're going to start a language school. Moms will bring their kids to this school and drop them off, and you'll teach them you know, French or Spanish or whatever. And when I thought about that, I was like, that's going to mean real estate, different locations, hiring all these people, training them, finding teachers in all the languages. And I did not have the terminology for it at that time, Kristen, because like I said, I was a filmmaker by training. I really thought of myself as a creative person, not a business person, but- Some light bulb went off or some alarm bell went off where I was like, no, I don't want to do that. (laughs) And now, of course, I look back and say, yeah, that's not scalable until you get to the place where you're like a franchise or something. Every time you get five new students, you're going to have to hire another teacher. It's going to be very hard to scale that business. So I was a film major, and I thought, well, wait a minute. What if I create something that kids can watch at home? My own son was so fascinated with my phone, even though he was under one years old. I I could see where things were going, that screen time was what kids wanted. So I thought, well, what if you could replace some of that screen time with language teaching? What if we created a multimedia program that kids could watch on the phone or the iPad or the computer, and then anywhere they are, they could be learning French or Spanish or Chinese with some fun little character who ultimately became Little Pim, the character we created. So that is a scalable idea. Here's why. We spent uh, about $500,000 creating the first six videos in French, Spanish, and Chinese. And then we could sell them to everyone. And it could be seen on any screen, any size, anywhere, and even in any country. We wound up in 22 countries. So that 500000 I spent is what's called a sunk cost. A sunk cost is you spend a bunch of money up front to create something, and you're not going to really get that back. That's just what you're investing. But then if you've created something scalable, you reap the rewards for a long, long time. I mean, Little Pim has been on the market over 10 years And we have not had to redo that content.
0: That is certainly very different from the original discussion around having a school where there's one location that possibly would not have had the same international impact.
1: It couldn't be replicated as easily. And and what's interesting is once you know these terms and how they work, what is scalable, what is not scalable, it's very obvious and you want to sort of help as many people figure it out as possible because it's a game changer. You know that in our program, Million Dollar Women Accelerator, which is our business program, we help women right away look at, is my business scalable or is there a part of the business that's scalable? Or could I run it in a more scalable way? Because it's not that black and white. But if you don't know what the term means and you don't know what to look for and you don't know how to analyze your numbers and your products and your services to make those tweaks, it's possible you'll never scale because you're just not set up that way.
0: Would you say that that's the first step an entrepreneur can take to scale his or her business is to start looking at the products and services and assess what is or is not scalable?
1: That's definitely the second step. The first step is to get the go big mindset. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Had to make you laugh there. You knew I was going to say that. I, um, I should have known that after reading the book. And <laughs> You saw that coming, Kristen. Did, so thanks did. for the setup. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, what's interesting, and now that I've coached thousands of women entrepreneurs, is that you can't just start teaching someone business skills without mm-hmm. first addressing the mindset. Because if you take someone who was raised thinking, oh, if I promote myself, that's being pushy. Or for women, sometimes we're even taught that's not feminine. Like it's unladylike or whatever to promote yourself. So that's going to get in your way of growing your business. If you grew up in a home where uh, your family maybe didn't have a lot of money, but there was someone in the family who did have a lot of money, but every time her name came up or his name came up, It was like, oh, yeah, you know, Uncle Bob, he's such a jerk. You know, he's super rich and we don't like him and da, da, da. And there's all these negative associations with money. Well, what's going to happen when you start thinking about growing a big successful money making business? You don't want to be Uncle Bob, right? Unconsciously, you've got a block there. Or maybe you've got a competing commitment, which is a mindset term we can unpack later around something else you're committed to that's actually more important to you than growing your business but it's unconscious. And therefore, you're not making the sales and you're not putting yourself out there and you're not fixing your website and not doing the thing you know you need to do. So that's what we have to address first. Do you have the go big mindset? Where are your blocks? And how do we move them aside? And it's interesting, Kristen, because you'd think, well, okay, so some people must struggle with that, but others must not. And I haven't said this before, but I'll say it here now for the first time. If you don't have what you want, if you haven't already gotten your business to the place you want it to be from a revenue standpoint, then you have blocks. It's not you might, then you do. Because if you didn't, you would have it already. Everything we have in our life that we like and we're proud of and it's going well, it's because we didn't have blocks around those things. So we pursued them with gusto and we got over roadblocks and we did whatever we needed to do. And now we have those things and whatever we don't have it's our work to do that mindset work and then go get the skills.
0: Well, you heard it here first, Elite Achievement listeners. Julia said, if you don't have what you want, then you have blocks. And it makes so much sense. We have visions, we have dreams, we have goals. And if we haven't gotten there, we got to do the work to figure out what's blocking us.
1: Exactly. And, and not think, well, in my case, I just need the skills. That's the temptation right? Oh, I don't have to do mindset work. I always like to say you can only grow your business as big as you can grow yourself. Because if you have the dream of a $5 million business, but you have a mindset that, oh, well, if I put myself out there too much, people are going to hate me, or my kids aren't going to love me anymore, or I don't know, my husband's going to leave me, or whatever these blocks are, you're not going to get there.
0: You mentioned earlier that you had mentors and coaches as you were growing and building Little Pim. What were some of the things you did specifically to grow yourself?
1: Well, I did mindset work for sure, but I also surrounded myself with people who had gotten to where I wanted to be because they think differently, they act differently, they dream differently. Their dreams are bigger dreams. When I had a $400,000 business, to hang around with someone who had a $2 million business was really exciting because they were dreaming of a $10 million business. And so that really helped to broaden my thinking. Also reading the books they recommended because they had become who they were by reading those books. So I was a voracious business book reader, still am. Joining programs where I could meet other high achieving entrepreneurs I joined uh, an organization here in New York that helped me get to $1 and then I stayed in it for several years and ultimately left to build Million Dollar Women, my own community. But I loved having other entrepreneurs who I could be on the journey with because most people don't understand the entrepreneurial life except for entrepreneurs. So while you don't have to ditch your friends in corporate America, you should definitely Find an intentional community of people who really get what you're going through and can help you navigate the tough times and celebrate the good times.
0: That's such an important takeaway. Several of my clients talk about relationships and how they have shifted or changed with their friend groups because they have big visions and they have big goals and they want to build big businesses. I love how you point out that a lot of times others who are not entrepreneurs might not understand. and we can go build these communities ourselves. We can find the support that we need.
1: Yes. I think that's why entrepreneurs crave communities so much because the second you decide to build a business and then let's take it a step further, build a big successful business where your goal is, I'm going to have a team of people. I'm going to be the best in my industry. We're going to go national, maybe one day international. Well, now you need a new set of people around you because very few people are going to understand that. And some people are going to feel threatened by that. Because if you're changing and growing and going outside of your comfort zone and doing all these things that maybe your friends were socialized just like you to think of as, I don't know, unladylike or too pushy or who knows what, then you're going to need to find other people who are on the same path who, who understand you. Well, that's certainly a
0: challenge as we think about scaling and growing businesses. What are some of the other challenges we might encounter as we scale a business?
1: Some of the main things we see tripping people up are, other than mindset, which I'll just come back to it as the number one thing, um, is not getting your arms around your finances quickly enough. I find a lot of business owners are so in love with their product or service that they spend a ton of time creating new content or thinking about what other bells and whistles they can add to what they have, and that's sort of their happy place. But if they didn't get Finance training and they don't have a bookkeeper, an accountant, that part of the business can get neglected. And if you don't know the money-making machine at the center of your business, it's going to be nearly impossible to scale. Uh, that's what we call it in the Million Dollar Women Community, the money-making machine inside your business, because there's your business, like the way you would describe it at a cocktail party, but that's not the money-making machine. The money-making machine is understanding the unit economics, it's called, of like what does it cost to get one customer how many phone calls, how much money do I have to put into marketing on, say, Facebook ads or whatever venue you're using? How much do I have to spend each month to yield this many people who click or set up phone calls to close this many deals to make this amount of money per month? That's the money-making machine. And until we understand that, it's very hard to improve it, to track it, and to grow it.
0: That was one of the things I appreciated the most when I was coaching at my former company. There was an entire plan around the numbers and the activity. And when I started my business, I thought, well, if this works for financial services, I wonder if this works for the coaching industry. And shocking, it did. It's around the same numbers. 10 referrals lead to three conversations, leads to one client. So having that data and that system really gave me a lot of confidence and conviction when I started building my own business.
1: I love that you did that right away, and you're definitely the exception. A lot of people wait several years before they really map out how does this work, what are my goals, how am I going to get there? And so I'm sure that helped you to have that roadmap.
0: And then when I was going through the accelerator program with Million Dollar Women, Julia, you encouraged me to get even clearer and think about where do clients come from. And that helped me shift my social media strategy and think differently about outreach and be far more intentional when it comes to growing my business.
1: Oh, I'm thrilled to hear that. That's great. And, you know, I've loved watching you just ramp up so much in your business. I mean, even when I met you, you were doing great things and now you're expanding in all kinds of ways. And that's just the best part of being a coach is getting to see people take this stuff and run with it and do even more than you could have imagined. We love having you in the community, Kristen.
0: Oh, thank you. Well, I'm I'm so grateful I came across the community and I, I found the community through reading Go Big Now. You mentioned competing commitments. And that was the part of the book that was an aha moment. What are some of the other mindset strategies that you talk about in Go Big Now that can help entrepreneurs develop their mindset and build big businesses?
1: Well, I think doing mindset work of any kind is essential when you're an entrepreneur because you really can't manage a company and a team if you can't manage yourself. That's the first person. You have to learn how to manage your emotions, your fears, your negative self-talk, identifying limiting beliefs and not letting them take over and stop you from doing the big, amazing work you're meant to do in the world. So I would say the number one thing is to get some mindset training. I wrote Go Big Now because I didn't see one book that would allow you to access what I thought was the best of all of the mindset practices out there. I've been studying mindset for 15 years, and I'm a trained NLP coach, neurolinguistic programming. So after going through all these workshops and working with so many masters, I realized, oh, they're all kind of teaching the same thing. How could we bring that to people in a way where they don't have to spend hundreds of hours and thousands of dollars like I did? And so I reduced it down to just eight essential practices. And that's what's in Go Big Now. And these eight principles, if you just adopt these eight, you will have the Go Big Mindset. Now, you're not going to read, close the book and suddenly make a million dollars. It doesn't work that way. But you will, like Kristen did, be able to use these terms like competing commitment. And when you see it pop up, rather than getting stuck for three months or three years there, you can just go, oh, whoa, I'm having a competing commitment. And there's an exercise in the book to work through it. You could go back to the book. And sometimes even just naming it is enough. When you say, oh, wait a minute, this is just a limiting belief. This isn't real. This is a limitation I've put on myself and let me figure out how I can get rid of it as soon as possible because it's not serving me. I'll give an example of one of my limiting beliefs that was a game changer when I was running Little Pim and I realized I needed to raise money for the business because we were competing with Disney and Fisher-Price and we had to have those big marketing budgets. I thought about raising money and someone suggested I raise money, but I was immediately so terrified at the notion because I I didn't have a finance background, like I said, and I wasn't particularly comfortable with the numbers side of my business, even though we were doing really well. I loved the marketing and the content creation, and no one in my family was in the banking world. My parents were professors, so I really had no model of what it would look like to go into rooms of hundreds of venture capitalists and pitch my business. I also read that only 2% of venture capital gets invested in women-run businesses. So that made it seem even harder. And I just thought, well, I don't speak their language. They don't speak my language. I could see what they were talking about in those rooms just from doing a little research. It was like, what's the valuation? What kind of liquidation preference do I get? Is there going to be a discount? It's a whole other vocabulary, fundraising. So I decided, no, I can't do that. And it was a limiting belief because it limited my ability to go raise capital. And it wasn't true, but it was a very firmly held belief. And it took me many weeks to figure out that I had to get out of my comfort zone and bust through this limiting belief if I wanted what was on the other side. And that was very, very hard to do, but I did it and then reaped those rewards. And that's one of the things I love helping people do now is bust through their own limiting beliefs. Because often what's a huge roadblock for you, someone else, a friend, a therapist, a mentor might look at you and say, but of course you can do that. And it can be this really aha moment of, oh, I'm limiting myself. (laughs) Why don't I stop doing that? And then there is, of course, a method to doing it, a four-step method that I teach in the book. It's
0: so helpful to hear someone who has built, scaled, sold companies and now building a community and coaching women to get to seven figures also is continuing to do mindset work. I think sometimes we believe if we do it a little bit, we're done and we can move on. But it sounds like it's continual.
1: It is, and I learned that from a lot of the mentors and coaches I admired. I was surprised at how much they talked about their mindset practices. It was very freeing, actually. I I spent I don't know fifteen thousand dollars on some course I took with the guru, and half the class he was talking about his mindset practices. So it was a good reminder to me: this is not once and done work. This is forever work. Um, If anyone's ever been to a Tony Robbins conference, I've been to a number of those. That's one of the reasons I learned NLP. That's what he was trained in. That's it's really like the well that a lot of uh, self-help and motivational leaders draw from is NLP. So I thought, well, I've drunk from the Tony Robbins water fountain. Now let me go to the well where he got the water. Um, and it was very enlightening to see what they teach in NLP. And, and a lot of it is that you have to turn these things into lifelong practice. And Tony Robbins, who has a, I don't know, $5 billion empire, still gets up every day and does all these mindset practices because that's how you stay at the top of your game.
0: Are you enjoying this episode and feeling encouraged to take the next step towards maximizing your potential? Don't let that energy pass you by. Goal achievers consistently take action to achieve great success. Grab your free breakout plan right now at kristenburke.com to begin your journey today. That's so helpful. Stay at the top of your game with the mindset practices. The final mindset concept I would love to explore with you. This was the other big one for me out of Go Big Now. Oh, can't is we be, here. be, do, have. What is be, do, have, and why is it important for a business
1: owner? Well, 99% of the planet is living according to the opposite of be, do, have, which is have, do, be. And have, do, be sounds something like this here's the amount of money I have or amount of education I have or family support I have. Therefore, here's what I can do in the world. And therefore, here's who I can be. And so people spend their whole lives limited by that chain of thinking. I only have this amount, so I can only do this, so I can only be that. 1% of the planet, and if you're an entrepreneur, you need to be that 1%, (laughs) flips it, and starts with the B. So it's B, do, have. Who do I want to be in the world? In my case, I want to be someone helping to close the economic gender gap. The World Economic Forum says it's going to take 268 years for men and women to make the same amount of money. That is not acceptable. We're going to try to shave 100 years off of that through helping at least 1 million women get to 1 million in revenues. So that's who I want to be. Well, what would that person be doing Well, that person would be writing books, writing articles, raising awareness, going on podcasts, creating programs, training as many women as she could to close the economic gender gap so that they would have success. And then ultimately, if you do those things, you will have what that person has. Now, it doesn't happen right away. It sometimes happens in baby steps, but that is the way the people we see out there that we admire That's how they got there. They had such a strong vision of who they wanted to be that no matter how dire the have was of what they had, Oprah is a great example of that, that she was raised very, very poor in the South. She was sexually abused as a child. She spent a little bit of time in a mental institution. I mean, she was not on a great track. At age like 13, all of that had happened to her. But she had such a strong notion of who she wanted to be in the world. She wanted to be provoking these incredible conversations about self-realization. And she wanted to be a leader. And she wanted to be a leading voice. And that is what allowed her to overcome all these obstacles and take the steps she took to have what she now has, which is to become that leader.
0: Julia, this has been an incredible conversation. I love how you pointed out even the people we see as the most successful are still working on their mindset. Thank you for all of the wisdom you have shared on this episode. Where can our listeners go to learn more about you and the Million Dollar Women community?
1: Oh, Thanks for having me on, Kristen. This was so much fun. You and I could talk about this for five hours, so we'll have to put the stop somewhere. Um, People can find me at millionwomen.com. That's our community for women entrepreneurs. Our business program is also offered within that community to grow your business. I'm on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn, probably the most active on Instagram at Julia Pimsler or at Million Dollar Women with the dollar spelled D-L-R. I also spend a bunch of time on LinkedIn. Love to hear from anyone who this resonates with. And so excited that I get to spend more time with you and awesome women like you in the community, Kristen. I'm so grateful. I had the courage to send
0: that LinkedIn connection and we have had such an incredible time getting to know one another and I appreciate the community. I have learned a ton. So thank you for all that you are doing to inspire entrepreneurs.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for today and everything you're doing to help people get ahead. And I hope that uh, for everyone listening, some of these mindset practices were helpful and look forward to connecting with you Online or who knows in real life with that goal achievers keep
0: celebrating your weekly wins Noting your lessons learned and identify your priorities for next week So you can consistently pursue progress in the direction of your goals. Thank you for listening to this episode If you are feeling inspired and want to join the goal achievers community Visit my website kristenburke.com to sign up and get connected we can also hang out socially on Instagram. Follow me at Meet Kristen Burke. Links are in the show notes. Don't forget to rate, review, and share this show. Until next time, goal achievers, keep progressing towards your goals and celebrate those weekly wins.